Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. It's not very often that I have the opportunity to have a conversation with a woman who's in Lebanon, but that's about to change. Amal Gondor, who lives in Beirut, has dedicated her life and her career to getting rid of stereotypes about Arabs, particularly Arab women, and to that end, has just written a book that provides an inside look into the silent Arab generation that came alive in the 1980s. Part memoir, part historical novel, This Arab Life, A Generation's Journey into Silence, draws from Amal's personal history, as well as larger political and cultural issues. Her story will also resonate with other Arabs holding a mirror to their lives and what it means to be Arab in today's world, the feeling, for example, of being a tourist in your own country and craving connection with her culture, her family, and herself. Amal also focuses on countering stereotypes about Arab women. The importance of a native Arab voice in narratives about the Arab world, Islam, and its place in Arab politics and culture. We've got a lot of ground to cover, so let's meet and get to know Amal Gondor. Welcome and thanks so much for joining me from Lebanon today. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for having me. So let's start at the very beginning. How did all this happen? What made you decide that you wanted to write a personal essay or a book about your life? Tell us about your background and growing up in Beirut and who you are. Okay, so let's start with with the last question. So I am Lebanese-born. In 1962, when I was barely five months old, uh, my family had to move to Jordan because my father, there was a death sentence that was um, issued against my father uh, in Lebanon uh, for political reasons, of course. So we ended up in Jordan and uh, effectively I became a Lebanese Jordanian. So in more ways than one, I am uh, Levantine uh, par excellence. So I moved to uh, Lebanon to Beirut in 1991. I had never really lived in Lebanon before. I uh, visited before the Civil War every summer. Uh, so I thought in 1991, it'd be interesting to come back to the country, or not come back, rather, to come here, live, and see how a country reconstitutes itself after Civil War. Well, as it turns out, it didn't really reconstitute itself at all. It continued to disintegrate along very uh, familiar lines. So, but I have been in in Beirut since 1991, uh, and here I am uh, now uh, today. So that's very briefly uh, my life. Uh, my career spans research and communication. I've been at it for more than 30 years. Around uh, in 2000, I decided to dedicate more time to writing, a lifelong passion, and I wrote my first book uh, about this man called Ali. And I also started producing a blog, uh, Thinking Fits. And then in 2016, I switched off social media and decided to uh, withdraw and detach myself and see if there is another book in me. Of course, that was at a very difficult moment in the Arab world. And that leads to the first part of your question as to why um, I, I wrote this book. It was a very difficult moment in the Arab world. It remains so. And I thought there were incessant questions, uh, things uh, I wanted to probe, things I wanted to excavate. I sat down. Uh, to tell you the truth, I didn't know if I have a, had a book in me. I sat down to write. 
to achieve clarity. And uh, at the end of the process, I discovered that perhaps there is a story to present here. So that's how it transpired. And so it was your own personal journey that was the catalyst for writing your book. My personal journey, yes, but, but you know, the book is not, strictly speaking, a memoir uh, of Amal Ghandour. It's actually, uh, um, it's a little more experimental than that. It's actually an intimate look at uh, my generation, which came of political age in the 1980s, the decade when, to my mind at least, the Arab world began to play out in an extraordinary contrast. You had, on the one hand, political agitation, uh, social dislocation, turbulence, instability, and on the other, uh, a, a gradual but sure um, journey into silence uh, uh, on our part. What I wanted to do is really attempt an excavation of the past 40, 50 years. I wanted to understand why there was this journey into silence, I wanted to see if there uh, were things in our contemporary politics that might explain it, things in our history. I wanted to have a better grasp of its meaning and its impact and perhaps even its connection to uh, what happened in the Arab world in the aftermath of the Arab uprisings in 2011. Right. So what did you find? I found many, many things. But of course, you know, as with all excavations, uh, you don't necessarily discover answers, right? In, in some cases you do, there are right. revelations and others, it continues to be, it's like an ongoing probe, if you like. I discovered many things. For one, uh, understood that we came, uh, and that was something that was not necessarily not apparent to me, but again, you know, when you, when you undergo a deep introspection, you begin to have a firmer a grasp of, of uh, what transpired. And it was very clear to me that the 1980s uh, generation, my generation was on the tail end of successive Arab generations stretching as far back as the aftermath of World War I that had been attempting to have a say, to play a role in the shaping of the Arab world and the shaming, shaping of its political systems, its social structures, its uh, orientation, and uh, failed. So by the time it came to us, as the as the generation of that decade, it, we had a sense of being overwhelmed that, you know, no matter what you did, there was a, a sense of um, a feeling of defeat. And it wasn't so much the defeat itself that was disheartening. It was the reasons for it. And the book really does go into uh, into some of these uh, details. What I do, uh, Sandy, and I hope I have succeeded in that is draw on the shared experience of this generation across divides. So I'm not looking at, at the, the generation of the 80s in Jordan or in, uh, in Lebanon, per se. I'm looking at it in the Levant. There's a wider lens that includes, in many parts, uh, Iraq, Egypt, uh, other parts of the Arab world, because I do think that there is a, an experience that drew this generation together, as it drew uh, many other Arab generations. So... Yes, but the thing is that, at least from my perspective and what I know about the Arab world, Lebanon and Jordan and Egypt are kind of one dynamic. 
and certain other countries are much more, what can I say, forceful, much more um, intense. And so that's quite an undertaking. Uh, it is. It is an undertaking. I hope I have risen to the occasion. But again, you know, I grew up with uh, this generation. I didn't only grow up with my Lebanese and Jordanian uh, generation. Uh, I, I did so with the Syrian part, with the Egyptian part, with other parts. So I relied on this because growing up, it was just extraordinary the degree to which we shared in this experience. Now, I know what you're referring to in terms of Jordan, Lebanon, and Egypt. We don't ever want to uh, ignore the, uh, the differences. We certainly don't want to ever uh, paint with a sweeping brush. Uh, there are differences, of course. Uh, Lebanon is one type of political system, Jordan another, Egypt yet another. Uh, but extraordinarily, a wife, a, a, away from these, from these political systems, you do have a very rich material to draw on culturally and politically and, and socially and even economically. Uh, and, and that's what I do. At the very least, a book like this could be encyclopedic. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, it's a slim book, right? It's not more than 177 pages. I, uh, I didn't want to belabor the point, as they say. Many of my early readers, uh, those to whom I gave the manuscript to get a sense of whether it resonates or not, felt that it was an extraordinarily intense. It's a slim book, but it is, it's an intense book. And look, uh, Sandy, I think if the reader has more than a passing familiarity with the Arab world, uh, if they have an intellectual or e emotional connection to it, I think they might, uh, they might find it uh, quite a smooth read. I don't consider a book like yours a, a simple undertaking uh, by any means. No, it isn't. It, it wasn't a simple undertaking. I have to tell you, the last, you know, as you know, the last three years have been extremely stressful for many of us here in the Arab world. Uh, you know, we had, of course, the issue of uh, the, the, you know, the pandemic, Corona. You have practically every corner of the Arab world in extreme distress. Libya in North Africa, now uh, Tunisia. You have Yemen in the Persian Gulf, really with a heartbreaking, yeah, heartbreaking uh, story of, uh, of uh, disease and starvation and complete disintegration. Of course, you have the civil war in Syria, needless to say, and you have Lebanon, which has uh, historically always been uh, a rather weak and vulnerable country with an enfeebled and weak uh, state. And uh, what has happened to us over the past three, three years is nothing short of catastrophic. I mean, it's wholesale collapse on every level. Um, there is an economic crisis that has been deemed by the World Bank as the worst, the world's worst since the 19th century. We have... Uh, Certainly, social disintegration uh, as well here in, in Lebanon. And also social restrictions, right? Social restrictions. Uh, and here's, you know, one of the interesting things about Lebanon, that if you want to juxtapose it against, for example, uh, uh, other Arab countries, uh, you will find it a country that really lives, and, and in many ways, many of these Arab countries live in bubbles. And in Lebanon, uh, even more so, there is 
Uh, you actually, you have different bubbles in this country. So I happen to live in Beirut. It's a, uh, it's a tiny space of a few neighborhoods that are very cosmopolitan, uh, where you can actually go ahead and live your life pretty much as you would in Europe or the United States. But that does not necessarily mean that the Lebanese state itself is liberal, nor does it mean that it's progressive. It just means that this is Lebanon. It's, it's a place where there is a certain degree of freedom, uh, but there's not much liberty. So if you were to come to Beirut now, you will have, I think, an extraordinary experience. It tends to be, it tends to give the impression that it's very free, uh, that it's very withered, very hip, uh, in many ways, a very intriguing combination of the exotic East and the westernized and the West, if you like. Uh, but, uh, you know, just go out 10, 15 minutes from the city and you end up in a different uh, different social milieu, different setting, uh, different rules of the game. Go out another 20 minutes, uh, you might uh, come across another milieu, go out another 45 minutes. It's that kind of country. It's tiny, but it offers you many worlds in one. I gotcha. And so h- how has your book been received? Well, so far, I mean, I've had some uh, great uh, advanced praise, so I'm very happy about that. The reviews so far uh, are very reassuring. Uh, I think there is uh, quite a bit of excitement here uh, in the region because I think it speaks to, it certainly speaks to older generations, it speaks to my generation, it speaks to the younger generation, it resonates uh, along these lines. So I'm, I'm anticipating and I'm hoping that it'll do very well. So far, I am, I am not disappointed. Well, in the United States, again, I'm a bit hopeful uh, I do think that, uh, uh, you know, in the United States and Europe, those, again, who have a connection to the Middle East would find it a very interesting perspective, a different perspective, one that complements what they already uh, have come to learn about the, uh, uh, about the region. So I'm, I'm, it's a special little book. I, I don't expect it to be a bestseller, but uh, I hope that it manages to reach its audience and, uh, and resonate with them. I'm surprised you sort of feel that way. I would think that this book has quite an audience waiting for it. Well, I'm just being, I'm just, uh, I guess it's a question of management of expectations. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I certainly would be, would be extraordinarily uh, happy if it were to find the kind of audience that you're uh, talking about. And I do think that, um, that if it manages to reach them, uh, it will it will have impact. But but again, we'll we'll have to see. It's a very crowded market out there and a very competitive one. So we'll see. How's the response been in the United States so far? Kind of welcoming, if you like, uh, intrigued. We are uh, in the process of, uh, you know, going through interviews like uh, the one with you, other podcasts, uh, reviews. But again, I I think that closer to publication, uh, the publication date, it'll be uh, probably much, much busier. Do you think that this is a real, you know, starting off point for you to write more, to have started with this book and and then take it from there, kind of? Yes. Yes, I do. In fact, I've started on my, uh, I've started a new blog post called as well, the, This Arab Life. 
I am already in the process of thinking about my uh, my next book. It's in the very early stages, so it's not much that I can actually uh, elaborate on. But yes, yes, I do. I think I'd like to dedicate a lot more time to writing, and I hope that this book will will allow me to do so. Well, you have a lot to say. I think, you know, I'm not saying that you're being dismissive about that, not at all. But there's quite a there's quite a lot going on in the Middle East, and it, mainly also because people don't know a lot about Lebanon and Beirut, and they make certain assumptions that are not necessarily accurate. True. Very true. And, you know, distance, I mean, that's inevitable, really. Uh, uh, this kind of stereotyping or, or this level of, uh, of un- unfamiliarity is not uh, unusual. The interesting thing is that this happens to be a part of the world that matters a lot to the United States. I think on several occasions, American administrations have tried to turn to the Pacific and have been pulled back by the region. So uh, places like uh, like Lebanon and Jordan and the Levant and, of course, the, the Gulf and even North Africa matter a lot to the United States. So I would, you're absolutely right, I, I, would, I should think that, that uh, an American reader would, would want to learn more about, um, about this part of the world. And also considering that, you, I mean, you said that this is not any kind of a tome, you know, that it's a rather smallish book. Yes, it's a smallish book. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, again, Sandy, because it's it's quite an intense book. And, you know, as a writer I uh, and as an author, I write what I need to say. If I feel that I need to elaborate, I do. If I feel that I've said what I need to say and it's... Uh, and it ends there. I ended there. And when I finished this book, I felt that I I really did put down uh, what I wanted to say, and and I stopped there. And the editors didn't disagree with me. Uh, my publishers thought that it was the right size as well. So I I went. I felt very comfortable. There are certain places where they wanted me to elaborate, uh, which I did. There are other places where they wanted me to be a little more precise. Thankfully, they felt that it was the right size. Uh, so uh, we were happy with that. So what's next then? What are you working on now? Well, now, now obviously, uh, it's a lot of time, uh, um, uh, you know, putting the book out there, promoting it. Are you doing that by yourself or do you have a PR firm? No, I do have a, a publicist in, in the United States, of course, and they cover as well the region. Uh, so I have quite a bit of help there. The publishers are being very helpful. I have... I rely also on my own, you know, contacts and network here. It gets very busy. It's a very busy time. You know, you've got to do launches uh, here and there in interviews and podcasts. And, I, and I'm very happy to do that. I'm very, always very happy to talk about the book. So I imagine that the next four or five months are going to be totally focused on that. I am uh, also, uh, I have my new blog. So I will be very busy writing weekly. Some people have come to me and uh, suggested that I do a podcast. So I, I'm not going to uh, consider that at the moment. I think I'm, you know, my plate is full, but I certainly will give it uh, some thought, perhaps three, four months down the line. So it's going to be a very busy time. And I suspect sometime towards the summer, I will start focusing on the new book. So there's a lot for you to say based on the fact that no one has particularly done what you've done yet. You're, 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 you're bringing that out to everybody. Uh, 
Yes, I don't think, I have to tell you, uh, Sandy, I, I have not come across a book like this. And I, that, that's, you know, obviously that's either very good news or very bad news. I don't know. <laughs> I have not come come across a book like this. It's rather experimental. I, I say in the book, it's a bit peculiar. Uh, it's not, strictly speaking, a personal memoir. It's more the story of a generation. So it's... Um, it's it's very intimate at one level. It's very sensitive to larger trajectories and cultural and political trends. So it's um, it's quite a tale to to pull together. And I have not seen. Uh, I mean, you know, typically novels are nimble like this. I have not seen a nonfiction book that does that. The fact that it's the silent Arab generation is, you know, that. Maybe somebody never thought about it that way, that it's the silent Arab generation and that you're bringing that to the forefront. Indeed. Are you planning to um, take this book on the road? Yes, I am. Uh, I am. We are in in lieu of a a launch now in the United States. I am going to be having a webinar to basically have a reach there. Hopefully when when I'm able to travel to the United States, I'll be able to, to do that. I will be launching in 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 London. Uh, I will be launching in uh, Jordan and uh, Lebanon. And if uh, the opportunity presents itself, I I probably will be doing a launch as well in uh, places like the UAE, Dubai. We'll see. But uh, certainly, Jordan and Lebanon are on the on the itinerary. And what about a political reaction? Have uh, have the powers that be? been um, responsive to your book? That's a very interesting question. So, uh, you know, the book is written in English. So when when books uh, are in English, they tend to be a little easier on them. In Lebanon, there shouldn't be a problem whatsoever. Uh, in Jordan as well, there shouldn't be a problem whatsoever. I am not sure about Egypt. Egypt uh, has turned into an uh, infinitely more infinitely harsher environment, uh, I would say. Uh, They tend to be extremely prickly about uh, criticism and they tend to be um, quite intolerant of, uh, uh, let's say, dissenting opinions or adverse viewpoints. Well, what about women? The response, because you're female. I think that should make the book that's that's one of the reasons why the book might be interesting to to many people. But you know, in the book, I don't necessarily uh, attempt to address uh, very specifically issues of women. What I do is I let it play out. I let it show itself through the lived experience, uh, through uh, the challenges that we face, the problems that we encountered, the environment in which we uh, lived. I don't anticipate that the book. I think uh, perhaps uh, certain political circles might find it a bit challenging on the question of women, uh, certainly on the question of, uh, you know, uh, Islamic fundamentalism and others. But it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a certain kind of interpretation. It's a viewpoint. So far, I have not, I have not, uh, I have not experienced the kind of pushback uh, that one might uh, fear. But listen, you know, uh, in spite uh, of the fact that people know that you're a woman, in yes. spite of the fact that people know you're a female author. Yes. I would find this to be incredibly encouraging 
from it your perspective. It is incredibly encouraging, but you know, here's the thing, uh, Sandy. You know, life oftentimes is much more nuanced than 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 we give it credit for. So, uh, in the Arab world, there are plenty of uh, women authors. Uh, they do very well for themselves, nonfiction and fiction. Uh, obviously, that is the case across the uh, the Middle East. So. But on the other hand, of course, there there is uh, a certain kind of environment, a certain kind of climate that tends to be extremely difficult, extremely uh, hard uh, on women uh, of uh, many profiles. But uh, I have to tell you that as a female author, uh, I can tell you uh, as well about me and other female authors, there is nothing that we experience specifically just because we're women. It's more about the topic and the subject matter than it is about the gender. Got it. Got it. So it's the politics as opposed to the personal. Precisely. Precisely. Mm. So can you share what you've got up your sleeve now that um, uh, this Arab life, a generation's journey into silence has been published? What are you working on now? Well, I know I asked, but I thought yeah, I know. Uh, we'll I mean, give I'm, it another shot. I'm looking at uh, uh, at another kind of intimate uh, history, another kind of personal history of the uh, of the 20th century. Uh, I think there's a lot more to uh, probe. There's a lot more to discover. There's a lot more to really. Uh, I don't want to say pick at, but research and investigate in this, in this I think, very, very critical uh, juncture in Arab history. So it'll be along, won't be along the same lines. It's probably be much more personal history and intimate history, not mine, certainly. Uh, but I'm looking at uh, two or three characters that might, that might uh, prove uh, um, or that might show themselves to be, um, you know, excellent um, vehicles for this kind of uh, for this kind of story. How has your family reacted to the book? Well, they love the book. They love the book. They've the my family has always been extremely supportive. They love the book. They support it, and they're fully uh, fully on board, as they say. Well, that's excellent. Well, it was really great to get to meet and know you, Amal. Again, the name of her book is. This Arab Life, A Generation's Journey into Silence. And um, it was fascinating. And I would love to extend an invitation to have you come back after you've uh, put together your second, your second book. Thank you very much, Sandy. It was wonderful to be here. Thank you. Yes, it was really, really, really fascinating and, uh, and a lot to learn. And I think there's a naivete on our part where we think we may know everything, but we don't. And, um, and thank you for sharing, really, Amal. Um, it was a, a, my pleasure to meet and get to know you. And who knows, either one day maybe I'll meet you in the States or I'll be in Lebanon. Who knows? It'll be my absolute pleasure. Let me know when you're about right. to, uh, to board the plane. <laughs> there, there you go. Thank you so much. Amal Gondor, I uh, really appreciate getting to know you and meeting you. And again, one more time, her part historical, part memoir novel is This Arab Life, This Arab Life, A Generation's Journey into Silence. So thank you. And I'd like to, again, make sure that we hear from you when you're continuing, you know, your um, writing journey. It would be great. I'll be sure to do so. Thank you very much, Sandy. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.